Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Philemon. Did you know that there is a book in the Bible that is basically Paul writing to the master of a slave and returning that slave to his master? Now, I know when we study the Bible, we come across lots of things that feel foreign or distant or antiquated, but this letter... uh, takes all of those things maybe to a new level. We're dealing with something that's culturally very different. We're dealing with something that even raises big questions about the the Bible and and slavery. And it's something that not only feels antiquated in a sense of history, but also something that starts to feel wrong to our sensibilities in our culture. How do we think about these things? And, And It's easy for us to then turn the book of Philemon into an academic or philosophical exercise, but I want you to see two clear applications that there should be from this passage for us. But before we get to that, we should get into the history and go through some aspects of the book of Philemon together. Now, the traditional backstory that has been told with the book of Philemon, which is a little bit difficult because it doesn't, the Bible itself does not spell out all of these details. So we're not a hundred percent certain on this, although some of it comes from the text. It, It does seem clear that this man Onesimus is the slave of Philemon. But the other details we're wondering about, because also we clearly see that Paul seems to have led Onesimus to Christ, because in verse 10, he says uh, that he calls Onesimus my child and says, whose father I became in my imprisonment. So the traditional backstory is that Onesimus is a runaway slave in Rome, in the providence of God, he comes across the apostle Paul, who knows him, or maybe even he knows or has heard of, and and this man is led to Christ, and now he is being sent back. Another link that does seem solid from scripture is that the book of Philemon is often considered a companion to the book of Colossians, because Onesimus is mentioned in chapter 4 of the book of Colossians. So perhaps these letters were sent together. That seems even probable that these letters were sent together to the church of Colossae, the book of Colossians, to the church, and the book of Philemon to this man Philemon um, about his uh, runaway slave. And so you see here, it starts with Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Some of these names also, there's connections with Colossians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you see Paul giving some personal thanks to Philemon here um, and just refreshment and hearing of his love and the faith that he has and that Paul is praying for Philemon and you see that he's derived joy and comfort from his love and he's praying for the sharing of your faith that it may be effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So, This is also very similar to what we've seen in Paul's letters 
a personal element of thanks and prayer that is injected with some rich theology. But then we get to the letter. And what's going on here? He says, accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. So Paul, reminding of his apostolic authority that he could command Philemon to do, but he says, for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. So I think we see here, Paul is saying Onesimus has become saved. And because of that, he's a new person. He's no longer useless. What does it mean in verse 8 to say, I command you to do what is required? Some suggest he's commanding him to release him from slavery. The problem is that that is not exactly what the text says. Is that a possible implication? Sure, but we don't know that. From the rest of the context, it seems that what is more likely that he is bold enough to command, but instead going to appeal to him to do, is that he is appealing to Philemon to welcome Onesimus back and to forgive him for whatever he had done because he is sending him back. And Paul makes it clear how much now he loves Onesimus. It describes sending Onesimus back as sending my very heart. He says, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness may not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant or slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So he's saying, now you have him back, and maybe this is why this all happened. So now he would not just be your slave, but that he would be your brother. And then Paul gets personal, uh, receive him as you would receive me. And if he has wronged you or owes you anything, charge that to my account. And uh, he says in verse 21 that he is confident of Philemon's obedience and then expresses some desire to see him, even going so far as to say, prepare a guest room for me. So what do we make of this? Uh, There's two things that I want you to walk away from this book with uh, a takeaway that hopefully will come practically to help you in your Christian life. The first thing I would say is you need to prioritize salvation over anything else. Prioritize salvation over anything else. Even as we look at this whole idea of slavery that we see in this passage, it asks the question, what's going on here? And Paul makes it clear, the most important thing about Onesimus is whether or not he is saved. And now that he is saved, he is a new person. He's not just a a slave anymore. He is your brother in Christ. And Paul doesn't come out and say, you know, you should release him as a slave. Paul doesn't come out and go on a screed against slavery and how the whole institution should be abolished. He, He highlights, though, the difference that salvation 
makes. Even as we think through the Bible and slavery, one commentator in the background to this book wrote this, the New Testament nowhere directly attacks slavery. Had it done so, the resulting slave insurrections would have been brutally suppressed and the message of the gospel hopelessly confused with that of social reform. Instead, Christianity undermined the evils of slavery by changing the hearts of slaves and masters. So God is working to change things, but he's doing it really through the power of the gospel, just as opposed to social reform. So I think as Christians, we should always say, my highest priority is to see people get saved. And even the changes that I see in the world, because we look out at our world and we see all kinds of things that need change. We see things in our society that need reform. And I think we should say our number one priority in all that is seeing people get right with God. Our number one priority is seeing people be transformed in a way that only salvation can bring. Now, yes, we need to be careful not to make a false dichotomy here that, well, we're either going to focus on people getting saved or changing things for the better in our society or in our world. It's not as if it's always ever only one or the other option, but We do need to make clear one of those things is more important and more supreme and ultimately more impactful, and that is seeing people get saved. That is seeing the gospel advance. So while that, again, could be a subject we talk about for a long time, and there's a lot of things to consider as to how Christians need to be faithful to the gospel and how Christians can, and even look at examples of how Christians have worked for social change in positive ways in the world, we have to realize that while we don't need to totally divide those things and make some false dichotomy there, there is one thing that is more important, and that is ultimately people's salvation. So prioritize salvation. The other thing that I want you to take away from this letter, and hopefully this can apply to you very specifically, is you need to seek personal reconciliation, even when it's hard or costly. You need to seek personal reconciliation, even when it's hard or costly. And that is one of the main themes we see in this book. Paul is urging, even bordering on commanding Philemon to welcome Onesimus and to forgive him. He wants to see these men who clearly, we don't know the nature exactly of what was going on, but it's clear there was a problem, so much so that they had been separated, that they had been parted, as it says there in verse 15. But now he wants Philemon to welcome Onesimus back. And that would have been costly. Philemon likely could have exacted some kind of punishment in which he would have been, had every right to do so. But in this case, Paul is saying that's not what's best. And even Paul, I think, models this. Paul is wants to see these men reconciled, and he's even willing to make sacrifices on his end to see that happen. I mean, for starters, he mentions, I wish I could keep Onesimus with me because he's very useful for me, but he is sacrificing that to send him back so that this relationship can be reconciled. Also, you see him, hey, if he owes you anything, charge it to my account. So there we see Paul leading the way by saying, I'll make sacrifices to see the two of you reconciled. And I don't think that reconciliation would have come without some sacrifice on the end of Philemon and also on the end of Onesimus, willingly now going back to his master. And so 
God wants you to be reconciled with the people around you, especially with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you need to realize oftentimes that reconciliation is not going to come without a cost to you. That reconciliation is going to require some kind of sacrifice on your end. Are you willing to listen to the lesson of the book of Philemon and sacrifice for the sake of reconciliation? So Philemon, seemingly maybe a confusing book, bringing up themes that feel so antiquated and foreign to us, but I hope you walk away with these clear lessons. Prioritize salvation and seek personal reconciliation. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.